what would you say to people who are kind of like trying to start now? How do you find where the attention is at any given time as you're building your audience? When I started doing threads, it wasn't a cool thing to do. It didn't get as much engagement, but I still did it because that's where I felt passionate about, where I felt were my competences. If you're passionate about memes, do memes. If you're passionate about shitposting, do shitposting. I think it's really important to stick to what you're good at and also what you like to do because if you build your brand, it's important to really show up every day and produce content every day. And I think you only can do that if you're really passionate about what you're doing. Hello, I'm Sami Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. In today's podcast, I speak with Whale. Many of you might know him from his Twitter handle, Whale Swoosh. He's a much-loved Web3 educator and influencer who works closely with the team at Azuki. I really wanted to learn more about his creative process since he has a super engaged audience on Twitter and his content really stands out. As a side note, Whale is not doxxed, so you will only see his Azuki PFP on YouTube. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Thank you, Whale, for being here. Where does Whale come from? Yeah, there was not a lot of thought behind it, to be honest. I think I changed my, my username back when I started out, I think. And that was the time where this Dutch swoosh um, domain from Nike came out. And I was just looking for a short, um, recognizable name and kind of came up with Wale or whale.swoosh. There wasn't like a thought behind it. I want to be known as whale because of crypto whale or stuff like that. It was really just to find a, a username that people remember. And I think Whale at Swoosh became my brand over time. Nice, nice. Okay, so maybe first things first, you're mainly only focused on Twitter, right? You haven't built an audience on other platforms. Yes, yeah, so Twitter is my main feed. I have a newsletter, which is doing pretty well too. I have a Discord channel. So I have different um, avenues where I distribute my content. But Twitter is my main, my main platform, yeah, where I really focus on. Okay, cool. So Twitter, Discord, and newsletter. So um, is your newsletter uh, monetized or is it free? No, it's not. It's every, All of my content is free. Like I don't need to monetize my content yet. So all my content, like my newsletter, my, my Discord, my Twitter, everything is free for my community. So tell me more about that Azuki connection. How does it tie into your content? Yeah, so... I think my content was really the reason why I got in with Azuki. Um, the team, the co-founders, Location, Sagabond, um, Dem, who is um, the community manager for Beans, all three of them approached me, I think, late last year for the first time, when my following was still smaller. I, I already was doing, was doing threads, but I think I had, I don't know, 10K, 15K followers. And that's the first, what the first time when the team approached me and said, "Hey, we like your we like your content, we like your view on on the space, we like what you're doing." And then we just had casual conversations from time to time, and that kind of led into me getting closer to them, hopping on calls, and on one of the calls they offered me this research and residence role, which fits pretty well into like my content and my educational threads um, brand that I've built. Because on the one hand, I consult with the team. So sometimes they want deep dive reports on stuff that's going on in the space or want to know what the sentiment is like on NFT Twitter. 
and at the same time, um, I don't know if you knew me before I changed my profile picture to to an Azuki. I had a clone in X for a long time. So that was part of me joining joining the team, me also changing my profile picture. So every piece of content I produce now is kind of under the Azuki umbrella, right? So if you see my threads, you see the Azuki profile picture. Same with Elena, the other research in residence you might know may know from Twitter as well. She also does um, educational content, daily rewind threads. So that's kind of the role um, at Azuki. On one hand, brand ambassador. On the other hand, really an advisor to the team. Super interesting. Okay, so it all started with your Twitter content and then they reached out to you and you started collaborating with Azuki. Were you at that time, were you already an Azuki holder? I didn't hold an Azuki. I held several beans. So I was part of the community, but I, I didn't hold an Azuki. I got my Azuki when I joined the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just looking at your Twitter feed. I like what you've done with your Azuki image. It's quite clever how you've done it. So I, I definitely recommend people who are listening to this to check out whale.swoosh. Tell me a little bit more about how you, you started building your audience on, on Twitter. How, how do you get discovered? So in the beginning, not a lot of people knew you. You know What, what were some of the reasons that you think made you successful in kind of like breaking through that Twitter algorithm and finding your audience. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process? How long it took, how often you were posting, you know, what, what was the reason why people discovered you? Sure. So I never had the intention to really become an influencer or, or stuff like that, or to really grow my brand to, to what it is today. When I joined Twitter and I think it was early 2022, it really was just to become a better trader because when I, when I joined Web3, for me, it was really all about trading, about making money in the space, buying, selling NFTs. That's kind of how I got into the space. And over time, I realized that to become a good trader, it's important to also understand the dynamics on NFT Twitter because what's happening there has a big influence on, on floor prices, on trading volume, right? On not even the announcement, but also how the community um, engaged on, engages on Twitter. So that was the reason why I joined. And... That kind of what got me more in love with the community. Like it was no longer just about trading and about making money. It was more really about building in the space. Then I saw like all these other successful people back then, like a threat guy who was already um, super successful as an influencer back then. And that's kind of how I thought about, yeah, maybe try to build a small audience of 1,000 people, 2,000 people, 3,000 people, people in the space I know and where I can talk about topics in the space. And yeah, then I started different things. I started with shit posting, which was big back then, if you remember. Um, I started doing memes. But I always was passionate about this this writing long-form content, which is something I did before Web3. I always was passionate about writing. So that's how I got into thread writing and really just sharing my views on this, of the space. And I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the improvement. I did a thread and it got five likes. In the next thread, I adjusted something in the headline maybe or added a few pictures and then it got 10 likes. And I really liked this progress. I think it was at a time where there were not as many Web3 educational threads as there are now. Like today, there are a lot of, I'm sure you know, on my timeline, there are um, a lot of um, Web3 threads. I think back when I started, there weren't as many as there are now. So I think I may have found something that people wanted, like they not only wanted this the memes and shit posting, which is a part of Web3 too, and I and I like it too. 
but I think people really wanted this educational content as well. So I think the time when I when I doubled down on thread writing was a great time for that. And I'm sure that really helped me with my with my growth. Very cool. So what would you say to people who are kind of like trying to start now? Would you still say that threads are the way to go or has the format changed? You know, how do you find where the attention is at any given time as you're building your audience? It's a great, great question. I think people should focus less on what what gets engagement that that mean. Like when I started doing threads, it wasn't a cool, cool thing to do that it's now like as I said, there weren't as many people writing threads. They didn't get as much engagement, but I still did it because that's where I feel felt passionate about, where I felt were my competences. So I stuck to it. If you're passionate about memes, do memes. If you're passionate about shitposting, do shitposting. I think it's really important to stick to what you're good at and also what you like to do because if you build your brand, and I did thread writing for, for a year now or over a year, it's important to really show up every day and produce content every day. And I think you only can do that if you're really passionate about what you're doing. So people ask me all the time, should I start writing threads or should I, what's the next thing? Recently, we saw this screenshot posting and really these short tweets, which Borvik, or I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name, was like number one on NFT Inspect for a really long time. He That was kind of the new new meta that came up during this shitcoin or meme coin season. So there's always new new things that will get engagement. But I think it's important to stick to the things you're passionate about. I always say like you could build a billion dollar company just from selling socks, right? Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, anything that you're passionate about and you keep doing every day. And as you mentioned, it's about really just being able to be consistent. Tell me a little bit about how do you keep yourself motivated and, and keep going and, and actually keep posting and finding interesting things that people can relate to? To be honest, right now, it's pretty easy for me because I get good engagement on my threads. It's not like I get, no, I do a thread and I get no engagement. There are still many interesting topics in the, in the space, even though like we are we are still small as a space and there's not as much happening as in the, in the bull market. I think there are still plenty of topics you can write about. I did a thread about this whole Ben Dadith um, story last week. This week, I saw that ordinals, Bitcoin ordinals are really the hot topic on in the space. So I did a thread about it um, yesterday on how to buy your first first ordinal. So I think there are still topics to write about. But you're right when it comes to comes to starting out. So I certainly struggled with being motivated when I started out. And my threads got five likes, ten likes, and I really put in a lot of work. And basically, nobody cared. No replies. No retweets. I think I was always motivated by seeing progress, even though it was not crazy engagement back then. When I saw that the thread was doing better than the last one, I think that's something that kept me motivated. But if I'm being honest, there were still times last year, early last year, in the middle of last year, where I really thought about quitting and stop producing content because I didn't feel like that really helped me with my growth in the space or with where I where I wanted to go. So I think especially when you start out, it's sometimes hard to to keep motivated. Right now, it's pretty easy for me because I feel like I'm in a spot where I see still, even though we're in this beer market, I still see a lot of opportunities. So it really depends on at what stage of your Web3 journey you are, I think. Mm, yeah, no, super, super uh, interesting. And 
definitely something that I and any other creator hearing this definitely, you know, relate to. Uh, tell me a little bit about what was that the Ben.eth? Uh, I, I must have missed that. I was in VCon and in a different kind of headspace. What did I miss? What, what, what happened there? You missed the craziest story of the, the month, I think. Ben.eth who, who launched. I actually don't want to give him such a big, big platform, to be honest, because people always always talk about him and I don't think that what he does is ethical and and stuff people should should aspire to do. But uh -huh. basically what he did, he he launched with BitBoy, who is this big crypto influencer. I'm sure you know him. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty successful. And then he a few days later he launched another coin which is called PsyOp. And he raised, I think, seven billion dollars from people who just sent him ETH to his to his wallet. So wow. no mint or stuff like that. They really just sent him ETH for for pre-sale and I think he raised seven million dollars people are down 90 percent now because support coin wasn't performing as as well as people people thought but it was crazy to see that as you said we're still in the beer market and people just decided to send a guy on twitter seven million seven million US dollars i think so it's it's crazy and it was really one of these stories in the past few weeks while you were at recon i guess it's incredible that people even in this bear market still believe in these things and and actually you know put their money in there so uh very strange so this is super interesting so you started your journey as a soul creator then you got the attention of azuki can you tell me a little bit more about the azuki community and what's the thing that sort of made you think this is the community that i want to put my effort and and put all of your kind of branding behind it yeah so i, I think there are two things on one and the really the community and on the other hand, the team and their and their vision. So when it comes to community, the Azuki community, I think, is really, really strong. There's this, this saying within the community, which is, wrote strongest community, not going to lie. And it, it really feels like that because there are many, there are really tight bonds between um, community members. I think a lot comes from this high level of fat the community experienced back in last year, if you remember when when the story broke that one of the Azuki co-founders has had launched two other projects before Azuki and there were a lot of outside fat and I think that really brought the community together. So right now there are really, really close bonds in the community and it's a really strong community. I think my tweet where I announced that I will join Azuki got like 3,000 3, likes and 1,000 retweets. So it's also a community that's very, very active in the space. I think on NFT Inspect, it's the strongest community behind Board API Club. Well, when it comes to the team, which was another reason why I, why I joined, they really understand Web3 and they really believe in decentralization and this stuff. If you remember their new token standard they introduced when, when they minted and they made it open source. So you don't have to pay. Also my content, right, with Elena, um, who's the other research in residence, they didn't say well, we want to, we want to sign you, but you have to, you don't have to do it, make it token gated, right? They could have said only, you do it only in our Discord and only Azuki holders and Beans holders can read it. But they said, hey, we want to support you, but keep doing you, keep producing your content for free for everyone else. So that's the other, the other thing or the other reason why I joined the team or the, the community, because they really really believe in Web3 and they really understand Web3. And I don't think many of the the former, many former blue chips 
do. So I'm I'm really confident that the mix of community and team is what makes Suzuki so strong. Super interesting. I remember <laughs> I remember when I had the opportunity to buy an Azuki or Moonbirds <laughs> and I got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um okay, speaking of FOD, you know, I'm still in Moonbirds and there's quite a lot of FOD going on these days. For people who may not be familiar i'm sure most people who listen to this are what is fear uncertainty and doubt and it's basically when people are kind of negative about the community so what do you think is the reason for how that thought kind of brought the community back together and and what can other communities learn from that journey that can make their community stronger rather than breaking it it's an interesting interesting question I think when you look at Azuki, as I said, back then last year, when there was really a lot of FAT, the FAT was never within the community. So the community always stood behind the team and behind the founders, even though there was, were a lot of FAT from the outside. Like on, I remember on NFT Twitter, there were a lot of negative tweets, not only towards the team, but also towards Azuki holders. But within the community, there was, I think, no doubt that they want to support the team and support the vision. What I see in in other communities and because you mentioned moonbirds i think in moonbirds there's to some extent also this negative sentiment in within the community i remember when i was a moonbirds holder which was during the time when the team decided to to move to cco to this new new license i remember that the discord was full of fat and a lot of negativity and i think once people within the community challenge the founders or challenge the origin i think that's Hard to hard to come back to that. Doesn't mean it's only on the community, right? Or the blue chips who are underperforming right now, they have some made some mistakes in the communication or in the execution. But I think when it comes to comes to the community and comes to FUD, I think it's important to distinguish between outside FUD and FUD from within the community. Because outside FUD can make a community stronger, FUD within a community can really make it toxic. From where I stand, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of the first reasons why a community may remain strong is if the asset holds its value, like the floor price doesn't go down, basically, which is something that's quite hard to control. But once the asset price goes down, people start to get really upset and rightly so in many cases, because many people will have bought the asset at a much higher price. And and I think one of the reasons why Yuga and Azuki have remained on top in many ways is that their assets have held their value most of the time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think the, the underlying reason, though, is that holders and communities want to feel valued. And I think that's something, as, as you mentioned, Yuga Labs did like super well with, if you look at how Board Apes got rewarded over time, even mutants um, later on with ApeCoin, with other deeds. So you always had to focus on rewarding holders and rewarding their community. Same for Azuki. When they dropped beans, they gave every holder to every Azuki holder two beans, right? So they could have done one airdrop, one bean to one holder and the other 10K for a public sale. But they really went all in on putting holders first and airdropping them to two beans instead of one and really showing them, hey, we, we want to make you happy and we want to provide value to you. So that's something I think Azuki and Yuga Labs 
did better than than other communities. If you look at um artifact, there was this this monolith situation a few few months ago where holders didn't feel valued. Um for Moonbirds, I think the CCO thing was the biggest one where holders didn't feel valued. And I don't know if there were were other other things. I think the the nesting rewards to some extent um didn't please everyone either. The, the conference getting cancelled so, exactly yeah so I, I think community really wants to feel valued and if it doesn't feel valued there's not much incentive to hold and floor price goes down and as we both know once floor price really goes down the community can turn toxic really fast and then it's hard to recover like once there's really floor price down and community is toxic people challenge the vision of the of the founders and they don't have much trust in the team I think from there it's hard to hard to come back. There are a few projects who have done it, like Pachi Penguins, who have great success right now. Back when they had their old founders team around coal, there wasn't much trust in the team either. Then Luca took over, and we built it. Same for Only One, who's also has a new new founders team and is now doing great things. So it's not impossible to come back, but I think it's it's really hard once once Flopers is really down and community is not happy it's hard to how to change the sentiment and to make a comeback yeah 100 percent. what would you say to new entrants into the market you know like especially with brands coming into the space and and looking to you know use web3 technology what makes web3 technology unique for creators and for brands why should they use this technology to build community yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I listened to an interview with with Luca Nets, the the Pachi Penguin CEO, um, a few days ago, and he he made a good point. He basically said that Web three and the concept of of communities really allows you to have your first, depending on the the size of your collection, your first five thousand, your first ten thousand, your first twenty thousand, really super fans who really are invested not only into the success of your project. But you always wanted to support it. We saw it with Pachi Penguins toys. Um, so many people from the community ordered their toys and left positive reviews on on Amazon. And I don't think that's something you can do this fast and this powerful in Web two, because there's not that much incentive from. I don't even like. Of course, big brands also have a community behind it, even if they're not um, involved in Web three. But I think for small brands to really build a passionate community around it. I think it's much easier and much better in in Web three. So that's from a brand from a brand standpoint. When people come come into space now to become creators, I think it's still a good time. I built my brand mainly during during the beer market. So when I really my account really blew off, I think it was in the middle of the beer market in in September last year, which was the first time where I really experienced some growth. So I think we're still in the beer market. So it's still the time to build, even though it will be easier to gain followers in during a bull market. It's still a good time to build your brand and to prepare yourself um, for the next bull market, which might come later this year or next year or the year after that. But sooner or later it will come. And I think it's a good time to really invest in yourself and into your brand. Because as we saw in the last bull market, it really pays off if you have a brand and have trust and have a community. So it's a good time to start. 100%. Yeah, no better time to start. 
than now because when the bull market comes everybody tries to do it right and it will be quite a lot of noise but if you've built your foundation now then you can reap the rewards at that point exactly all right well thank you so much Vale. this has been so interesting i i've really enjoyed talking to you so thank you so much for that i really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me it was a great great conversation I hope you enjoyed this interview with Whale. Be sure to give him a follow at Whale's Push. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching it on YouTube, please consider subscribing, which will really help me and the channel. We are also giving away prizes to people who post a comment on the videos and leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify. Make sure to join our mailing list on Impeak to learn more about our contests and prizes. 